And what was really funny was that I would send out to newly registered voters my information. I would get it on a Friday and Saturday we're sending it out. And 10 days later, by the hundreds, they're coming back. They don't live there. They don't live there. And I originally thought it was someone at the post office that wanted my opponent to win instead of me. And it wasn't until 2018, the same thing was happening. And then I was told about a ballot harvester here in Connecticut. And actually, I'd like to change it to ballot trafficker, because that's actually what it is. Hello, and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host. If you're new to me, I'm... If you're new to me and I'm new to you, uh, this is the Jim Mobley Show where we talk about uh, cultural issues, current events, and where we have an opportunity to come out of the conservative closet. Uh, guys, we've got an awesome show tonight. We're going to be talking about election integrity, which in a lot of ways just means voter fraud. Uh, but we are actually going to be diving into some election integrity measures. We're talking with one of the best people in the nation to speak about these issues with, uh, Ms. Linda Sinkowitz, who is the, the founder of Fight Voter Fraud. Uh, we're going to be diving into her training, her initiatives. And uh, I'm really personally excited about all the stuff that's coming out. Uh, Citizens United, Dave Bossy's group just released Rigged. Uh, so you can see how you know Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg's influence with the Zuckerbucks kind of went far and wide to, uh, you know, some people say manipulate the election or some people say show undue influence on the election, all that and more. And it all starts right now. Linda, how are you, my friend? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this. It's my pleasure. Now, I already said it, but it's it's stick with Yes, and you actually said it correctly. <laughs> okay, I meant to ask you that before, but all right, cool. So no editing for me. I'm no. just kidding. I don't edit. I'm too lazy for that. Uh, so you've been on the show before, um, but for listeners that might be new to you, tell us uh, about yourself and, and what it is that you do. Hey, well, I'm the founder and CEO of Fight Voter Fraud here in Connecticut. Um, we are actually doing things nationally. And a lot of times people want to know how I actually started this. Um, I had run for state rep in Middletown, Connecticut in 2014, wet behind the ears, saw stuff that I really didn't think um, was correct. 
I made a number of filings with our state election enforcement. 2016, I started seeing some more stuff. And what was really funny was that I would send out to newly registered voters my information. I would get it on a Friday and Saturday we're sending it out. And 10 days later, by the hundreds, they're coming back. They don't live there. They don't live there. And I originally thought it was someone at the post office that wanted my opponent to win instead of me. And it wasn't until 2018, the same thing was happening. And then I was told about a ballot harvester here in Connecticut. And actually, I'd like to change it to ballot trafficker, because that's actually what it is, where the person signs up people and gets their absentee ballot request forms. And you're not supposed to do that. Um, but anyway, I looked into the absentee ballots before the 2018 election, the actual forms for the application, not the ballots themselves. And I had seen 643 here in Middletown, Connecticut, and I believe 410 were either invalid or illegal. So I reached out to the chief state's attorney's office for help. And they told me they don't have the resources, go to the state election enforcement, um, which is actually useless here in the state of Connecticut. I know my husband keeps saying, Linda, stop saying that. <laughs> no, um, but it's no. true. They're, they're useless. And so what I did was I reached out to the, to the FBI because it was a federal election. And I was supposed to meet them eight days before the election. And I got a call that morning and they said, we can't meet with you. I had six inches of hard evidence. And I said, well, do we need to change the time or the location? And they said, no, it, it'll look like we're interfering with an election. They should have told me within 30 days they couldn't get involved. But that's how I got the idea for fight voter fraud in 2018 because of what I'd seen, and as you know, I'm a very quiet, shy person. And if I can't get somewhere, um, how are, are other people that are not as forthcoming as I am with a lot of things? So that's how I started Fight Voter Fraud. Um, we started doing um, different lawsuits. We did win a federal lawsuit here in Connecticut. And then in um, April of 2020, our wonderful Secretary of the State, Denise Merrill, says in a memo that she's going to send absentee ballots out to everybody because of the Wuhan virus. I won't call it that other word. It's the Wuhan virus, by the way. And that's against our constitution. So we ended up in Supreme Court in Connecticut, not once, but twice. And they voted against our constitution because of the Wuhan virus. And we- Laws don't matter when there's a cold going around. Oh, yes. Yes. So, what, you know, like I said, one of the things in Connecticut, and, and it's like this in a number of other states, is Connecticut, you need two-thirds of the vote of the legislature to change anything in our Constitution. And then it comes to we the people. And we the people in 2014 said no, yet because of the Wuhan virus, oh, everything's okay. So fast, and that was during the primary and 110,000 of the applications came back undeliverable to the Secretary of State's office. And that only included the Democrats and Republicans because it was a primary. Um, and then they did it again in November. And this time the Secretary of State had them sent back to the local towns. So there's no accountability on how many actually came back. 
My best guess here in Connecticut in the November 2020 election with 2.505 million voters, about a half a million either died, moved, or never existed. Connecticut has not cleaned their voter rolls, even of the dead people, in 40, 50 years. So we also, what we started doing, and I came up with a uh, technique where we can target, and we do target people who potentially have committed voter fraud, either broke the two federal statutes or the five Connecticut state statutes. And we've got thousands uh, ready to go. And we do chain of custody. We have 100% of the evidence. And we also formed an obit committee. I know that part sounds funny, um, but we actually prove that the people are dead. <laughs> and we, I mean, it's just, we get, like again, 100% of the evidence on that. And what we've started doing is we have the books with all the evidence. And in Connecticut, it's the registrar of voters that need to remove the people from the voter rolls. So we are hand delivering the binders with the people's names and 100% of the evidence with the proof that the people had passed away 10 years earlier, 12 years earlier. And the funny thing is, is there's a lot that voted, not just absentee, but in person. So we're delivering them and we give them a two-page letter, told them how we got the information, what we use, you know, what, what files we use from the Secretary of State, et cetera. And then we have it notarized. So we know that they've received it. So I travel with a notary. And when I'm handing it over to a registrar, that's a public official. That information is now 100% FOIable. So if somebody wants to know if their grandmother was still on the voter rolls and whether they voted or not in November of 2020, the registrar has to give them the information because we're not going to put it on the website. We're not going to use anybody's names. We are rebuilding our website to include all the states because we're in um, multiple states right now training the same, same thing. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day when I was in Arizona, well, you know, how are people going to know that they can get that information. Well, we're going to tell you on the website. If you want to know, this is <laughs> this is who you contact. You know, I mean, it's all public information, and the same thing with the people who potentially committed voter fraud. And I always have to say potentially, because we're not law enforcement. But I can guarantee you that one hundred percent of what we bring forward has one hundred percent proof of that potential voter fraud. So that's what we're doing, I guess, in a nutshell right now. <laughs> awesome. You know, I'm super excited about the things that are coming out. We've got Rigged out of CU. We've got, uh, I, I haven't seen this one yet, uh, but we've got Dinesh D'Souza and True the Votes, uh, 2,000 Mules. And I love what you said. They're not ballot harvesters or whatever word people, they're, they're traffickers. They're trafficking illegal votes. Yes. Uh, so in that vein, uh, guys, this is a little bit of a longer, a uh, little bit of a longer thing for me to show on the show. But uh, I think that it's really good. I, I'm going to play the trailer. It's about two and a half minutes. Um, so I'm going to play the trailer for you guys. And uh, it's just... I mean, the first time I saw it, it's just kind of heartbreaking and depressing. But here we go for some heartbreak and uh, depression for everyone to enjoy together. 
We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Let me say it again. The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history. Let me begin by asking a very simple question. Do we know the truth about what really happened in the 2020 election? I think millions of Americans know something went wrong, and they have little pieces, and no one's really put it together. I'm agnostic on this question, and I, I am awaiting more information. If I believed the president were a Nazi, I might steal an election. Bold accusations require bold evidence, and they haven't seen it. We have been working on something big. Show me the money. Can we meet? I've been working with Greg Phillips. He has a deep background in election intelligence. True the Vote has the largest store of election intelligence for the 2020 elections in the world. No one has more data than we do. We identified in Atlanta 242 mules that went to an average of 24 drop boxes. But Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. What is a mule? Person picking up ballots and running them to the drop boxes. This is not grandma out walking her dog. Bad backgrounds, bad reputations. They are interested in one thing, that's money. And in no shape, in no way, in no time, is that legal. This is organized crime. Do you have video evidence? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country. What you're about to see is disturbing. So this is uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. Don't we all vote at 1 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> On one night, this person, this mule, went across six counties to 27 different drop boxes. I call it the Mexican mafia, seriously, because uh, they, they work like that. This is jaw-dropping. What you showed is frightening. It's just sickening to me. Now we come to the most important question of all. Was the magnitude of vote trafficking enough to tip the balance in the 2020 presidential election? It's not a leap to say this would have made a difference. They have ruined Election Day in the United States of America. That's provable. And that's enough for me to fight the left with every fiber in my body. Without free and fair elections, we are not a democracy. We are a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. 2,000 mules in select theaters, May 2nd and 4th. Virtual premiere, May 7th. Stream May 8th at Salem Now or Locals. So that's that's it, folks. It doesn't look good. I haven't seen it yet. Some of my colleagues, some of my former colleagues have seen it, and most of them reported deep depression, losing sleep. Uh, they've, they've seen an advance showing. I I'm really thinking that I'm gonna I'm gonna do a watch party for you all uh, once it hits locals. Um, or if I could just pay for it and and watch it, but I, I, well, what do you what do you even say after that? I mean, they I, I don't know if you know, but now our phones, our, our nifty phones that we carry around, they generate a bunch of consumer uh, data 
um, with all of the different apps, with the locations, whether they're turned off or on, they're, these apps are creating data. And a lot of that data is actually automatically provided to the United States government. And it then becomes FOIAable, like Linda said about, about these election records. Um, well, a lot of consumer data, where we are, uh, not what we're doing, but where we are, when, how frequently, a lot of that stuff is kind of put into these really like generic reports and given to the government. So it becomes FOIAable. Um, so what True the Vote did uh, and uh, what Dinesh D'Souza did was use True the Vote's data and, and uh, I mean, essentially a, a, former, a former operative uh, intelligence type guy to pinpoint exactly what data we need to look at. Forget about, you know, when, when you think back to the Ed Snowden days, he was talking about so much data you didn't know what to do with. Instead, they said, let's get hyper-focused and look at these six, these seven, these eight counties uh, these linchpin counties that impacted the election because they did. And let's look, let's just look for the data there to see if there's any anomalies. And they found individual phones going 20, 30, 40 times to drop boxes in several different counties. Um, it's, it, it's not looking good. Uh, just, just like you said, Linda, people are trafficking in votes which is illegal. Yeah. It's, it's against the state constitutions, like you mentioned. And to say it's against the state constitutions, it's actually against the federal constitution, which institutes federalism, which hands that power down to the states. So it completely subverts the entirety of United States law. That, that's what the republic is supposed to be. It's the law. Uh, thoughts? Well, I know here in Connecticut, they implemented the uh, drop boxes. We had never had mm -hmm. them before because of the Wuhan, again, because of the Wuhan virus. And to continue them on is absolutely ridiculous. They never followed the law that they, that they put in, which I believe was illegal how they ended up putting it in here in the state of Connecticut, that if the drop box isn't in view of the town hall, they're supposed to hire a police officer to go with them every time they empty them, which we know wasn't done. I ended up watching a number of drop boxes, just happened to do it, and the security wasn't there. We had also been sent a picture of a drop box with the ballots just hanging out and dropping on the ground. I mean, there was no security with all of them. There's something else that can be used, and that's a mailbox. You know, that's essentially what you should be doing is putting that's, them in that's a deep. mailbox. It's, <laughs> you know, and it's federal property. And, and you would think that would have more security going into a mailbox. You know, so I, I just, with all the stuff that went on during the 2020 election, and you can see with the, some of the states, some of them are doing their best to try to have election integrity and learn from their mistakes. I can tell you the state of Connecticut is doing everything they can to cover up any bit of election integrity. They even passed a law last year, which I also believe is unconstitutional, and that's a whole other thing, of removing the voter ID number and the person's birth date from the voter rolls. And federal law says you're supposed to have a number that's identifiable. 
They did that in August or July of this last year, but we already had had the records and we had already submitted 105 people. Same name, same address, same date of birth with two different voter ID numbers and they voted twice. I submitted that to the Connecticut State Election. Now, they they all voted for Donald Trump, right? Oh. <laughs> we don't know who anybody voted for. Our organization is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, so we don't look at the party they're from. But all we want is one vote for one legal voter. Yes. That's it. I want my vote to count. I know you want your vote to count. But now what Connecticut has done, we never would have been able to cross match those voters. Because we have, you know, you have the voter ID numbers and the birth dates, and now they remove that. And I actually sent it to an outside company that does um, legal work, which I couldn't see because also at the time uh, he did not believe that I was 100% accurate. He goes, Linda, you're only going to be 10% accurate. And I'm like, I know I'm 100% accurate on these. Well, he was able, because his company's authorized because they do stuff for the courts, he checked the social security numbers. I couldn't see them. He sent back. He goes ripe for prosecution. They were all the, they were the same people that voted twice just here in Connecticut. Now we've uncovered people all over the country that voted in other states that were supposedly Connecticut residents. They're voting in Florida, Georgia, Illinois. I think I think we've got like thirty-two other states that people think that. If I vote in another state and get an absentee from Connecticut, nobody's going to know. Well, guess what? Nope, Linda's going to know. <laughs> we've had college students. We have pictures in newspapers of college students putting their ballots into the ballot boxes where you can read their name and bragging about it. Mm-hmm. But we already know we're looking into them because they voted in Connecticut, too. I mean, that's how brazen they are. They don't care. So there are people right now watching or that will be listening on podcasts later who I I don't know why these people listen, but thank you. Thank you for the engagement. Uh, They're going to be furious. They're going to say this doesn't happen with any substantial degree, with no substantial numbers. And guys, Linda brought the facts, okay? When she's talking about these people voting here, just this top line here, over 180,000 national change of address individuals, half of whom voted. Uh, Again, I I guess I'm I'm one of those uh, (laughs) black people who can do math and read and all that stuff. So that's that's 90,000. That's that's half. Uh, That's that's half of 180. That's a lot. Uh, and it says that you guys have identified 230,000 voters that should probably have been left off of the voter rolls. That is substantial. These numbers do change the potential outcome for a single county or for a single municipality. I mean, these these numbers have a lot of zeros on it. It's not like 12 college kids or like three grandmas and two grandpas. Uh, this This is big. In 2018 in Connecticut, there were 22 local races determined by less than 100 votes. Some of them were like eight votes, seven votes. And my husband ran into someone the other day that lost by two votes. So every vote makes a difference. And the biggest thing we need to do, and that's what we are diligently working at, is to clean the voter rolls. 
Let's clean them up and only have people who are eligible to vote to vote. And another thing with our numbers, it's 29 days that if you move before the election, you can still vote in your old town because, you know, the time frame. What we did with our numbers is we went back 60 days. So there wouldn't be any chance of any mistake. Was it 30 days? Was it 31 or whatever? So we're even leaving out some of the people who fall between the, the 30 and the, the 59 days as well. But we're looking into every single one of them. And it, it's been a daunting task. We're looking at the NCOAs um, as a change of address. Um, we're looking again at the obituaries. We have, you know, going through the people we know who have passed away and we can prove it that actually are still registered to vote as active voters. And as someone said a couple years ago, and I don't know who it is, so I can't take credit. He said, no representation without respiration. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> you gotta be alive to vote, first of all. And we, we literally have found hundreds of people who passed away that voted years after they died in the 2020 election. I mean, it's very upsetting. And a lot of people think, oh, it's just the big cities, like in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Hartford, New Haven. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of potential voter fraud there. But it's the smaller towns that have the most percentage of potential voter fraud here in Connecticut. And I can prove it. My board thought I was crazy a couple of years ago when I was saying that. And now that I've been able to prove it, they're like, wow, we never thought the small little towns would have that much potential. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And here's yeah. the thing, because YouTube moderators are already, their heads are exploding. Here's the thing. This is not a right versus left. This is about laws. This is about the American way of life. And the thing is dead people voting is fraud, okay? It's fraud for the purpose of manipulating an election. These are facts. Yeah. The dead person didn't do it. Yes. Guaranteed <laughs> the dead person didn't do it. A living, breathing criminal committed fraud, election fraud, voter fraud. It's not a bad word. That's what happened, okay? Uh, and unfortunately, it's happening in big cities, it's happening in small towns, it's happening all over the place. And this country, we've got to get serious about cleaning the voter rolls. We've got to get serious about election integrity measures on the day. We need to get rid of election season and go back to election day. We need to go back to um, everyone voting in person on the day, except for people who can't. We're talking uh, service members who are deployed or serving out of state. We're talking people that aren't ambulatory, people that have illnesses, caretakers that can't get out. This, this nonsense that huge swaths of the population physically can't go out and vote, um, well, whether there's a sickness or not, that, that's nonsense. Something else that's basically become an epidemic, and it's basically disenfranchising all the elderly people in convalescent homes and group, people in group homes and rehab centers. We had a 95-year-old woman in Torrington, Connecticut, in an Alzheimer location that registered and voted for the first time. Mm. We also had a, a gentleman who... Um, approached me and his mother was in a convalescent home before the election. 
she had Alzheimer's and she was in a coma. And he told them he did not want her to vote. And they said, that's okay. We'll just point and she cannot. And he said, she's in a coma. And they said, no worry, she'll be able to vote. And he said, he didn't want her to vote. She voted from a coma. From a coma. (laughs) That's powerful. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of those as well. You know, there's so many different violations here in Connecticut concerning those in the convalescent homes and like I said, group homes, et cetera. So we're also looking into those. But we are, um, like I said, we branched out. We are doing our silent army of volunteers and researchers across across the country. But we have another very useful tool for everybody. We have what's called the Report It app. You can download it on your phone. And you can anonymously report voter fraud, or you can give us your name, you know, your name information. Um, I guess that in, we've geofenced now 12 states, with, including Virginia, which means you can use the, the app on your phone. Otherwise, you can go to our website and you can report from anywhere in the country, if not world, which in November of 2020, we wound up with over 36 states and two countries, several thousand phone calls of the report of voter fraud. And a lot of them were were extremely credible. I do know that in the Chicago area, somebody had reported that from a single family home that were owned by Mr. and Mrs. X for 40 years, had 132 people registered and voted from that one home. Um, wow. I mean, I know in Connecticut, across from the train station, there was like 70, 72 people registered from an empty lot, and it's been an empty lot for over, over a decade. I mean, these are the types of things that we've got to stop. And if if people want to let us know about it, we will send it to the appropriate person within that state or state agency or federal, depending upon what it is. Um, it's unbelievable, the stuff that we got, which we are very grateful for um, between November and uh, mid-January. They were coming in probably every five minutes for days. Um, it was, un- like I said, pictures, everything. And I got to tell you, some people were turning in their landlords <laughs> and their ex-husbands, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that also came across on it. Um, this is awesome. On the on the website, it says red flags that you can help us identify. My ID wasn't verified. Absentee ballot request uh, form sent to me without request. I know firsthand a lot of people, dozens of people that this second one happened to, um, that absentee ballot request yeah. form just showed up. Um, I know a fewer number of people, but instead just an absentee ballot showed up, which is exceedingly strange. Um, I got an absentee ballot. Um, I, I I lived in Campbell County, Virginia, uh, since basically since I was of voting age. When I served in the military, I maintained my residence, and you know I was still a constituent in Virginia. Um, so I voted absentee out of Campbell County, Virginia. Um, when we moved, we moved to Loudoun County. I was very intentional about voting. Um, I went, I called the Campbell County Registrar and said, hey, what do I need to do? They said, you can vote from Loudoun County with your old absentee one and send it back to us, or you can you can cancel it. You can send the ballot back if it sends out, and you can go to Loudoun County and register. And I registered in Loudoun County, had that other one canceled. 
um, I got the verification that it was canceled and I still got two absentee ballots. They were forwarded. They or they weren't forwarded. They had my correct address, my Loudoun County address, which is verification that the change of address went through mm-hmm. uh, because it wasn't forwarded, which was, I, I just had to get rid of those uh, ballots. I wanted to bring them with me to give to the new county registrar, and she said she couldn't take them. They actually needed to physically go back um, to Campbell County. But it shows that somebody is not doing their job. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of different ways that the a lot of these things are happening. Um, some of it's human error when they put somebody, you know, register somebody with a misspelling of their name. Um, but Connecticut, the Secretary of State actually sends at least once a year potential duplicate voters that have to be removed. And you would not believe how many registrars in Connecticut actually ignore that and keep them on the voter rolls, even though the Secretary of State has done one thing to try to clean the voter rolls, and they don't do their jobs. You've got others that are phenomenal, um, but there's a lot of problems, you know, especially not just here in Connecticut, but all over the place. You can only be registered in one location, and that's your primary address. That's it. You can't pick and choose, oh, if I go to Florida during the time of the election, I'll register and vote down there because I'm going to be down there for three months. No, you have to register from your primary address, and that's it. So we need to clean the voter rolls. What and- what, what <laughs> arguments are you hearing? Because you were in it. You were all over the country. You were advocating for this positive change. What What is the pushback that you're hearing? What are the arguments against cleaning the voter rolls, which means getting rid of dead people, getting rid of people that are permanently in a coma, people that have long moved away from the state? Who is advocating against that? What, what do you hear? What are they saying? Well, the first thing I always hear is our voter rolls are fine. We are very diligent in making sure they're cleaned. And I remember one particular registrar that was saying that to me over, first she emailed and then it was over the phone. And I said, well, we'll be over tomorrow morning to give you the list (laughs) of dead people with all the evidence. And she she was actually nice about it. She was floored. Um, New Haven, Connecticut, which is the city, the first batch we gave them, we've actually been thanked for doing their job, which I really appreciated the fact that we're showing them how they can at least get the dead people off the voter rolls. Now, New Haven, isn't that where Yale is? Yes. So, ostensibly, there should be some bright people there. (laughs) well, I've got, I'll tell you, I've got Wesleyan University in my district here in Middletown, and there's over 900 Wesleyan uh, students that are no longer students that had graduated. Mm. And all of them had their absentee ballots sent back to New York, California, et cetera. They don't, they don't even live here anymore. So it's up to, in Connecticut, it's up to the registrar of voters. And who's ever in charge of taking the people off the voter list or registering them It's their responsibility. Uh, Connecticut, again, we've got the Secretary of State, Denise Merrill, that does not offer proper training. Um, When we've asked for reports, we were told that, well, it's going to take us three weeks to get you that report because it's so in-depth. And we're like, "Uh, it should take three minutes. So we've actually had our data person train scores of the registrars how to run their own reports. That's how bad it is here in Connecticut. 
Wow. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So here's the thing. I meet people all the time. They're saying, what can I do? Guys, get you, you should be involved in the electoral process where you are. You should become an election officer or volunteer. Uh, but another thing you can do is join Linda's initiative. Uh, they are a nonprofit. They're accepting volunteers. And I am sure I used to run a nonprofit. I'll tell you, I'm sure Linda is not turning away any support, financial time, no. <laughs> research, data, whatever you can do, she will take. Uh, so go over to the website. It's fightvoterfraud.org. Click on volunteer. Lots of good resources yeah. on this website, but guys, click on volunteer. You fill out the form and boom. Yeah, we're going to be updating that form. Like I said, we're updating our entire website. If people want as well, and I always give my email, it's Linda, L-I-N-D-A, at fightvoterfraud.org. So it's Linda at fightvoterfraud.org. It may take me you know, a few days to get back to you, but I, I certainly will get, will get back to you. <laughs> it's, you know, it's... <sighs> Um, well, I'm inundated, but we want to help everybody and um, we want to clean the voter rolls. We don't care what party anybody is from. That's not what we're into at all. We just want one vote for one legal voter and that's it. <laughs> and that's that's huge. I, I still remember the day I was watching um, I was watching the hearings in Georgia and Yvonne Pulitzer went in and one, this man's a genius. I'm sure you've come across him. Um, he He's very bright, and he just moved away from the tech, and he was just talking about basic voter integrity. But he just gave this impassioned speech where he was just saying, you know, for as a, a family of immigrants, and so many of us, my uh, grandparents immigrated here, it's so devastating if it is no longer the case in the United States that it's one person, one vote. That That's the crux of equality. Um, and, and, and there's there's another thing uh, that we, we're, we're starting to work on an initiative for educating people, people mm. with green cards or people who want to become U.S. citizens. You cannot register and vote if you are not a U.S. citizen because when you go through the process, they're going to find that you voted. And guess what? You're going to get deported because you just committed a felony and you wow. will never, ever be able to become a U.S. citizen regardless of the fact that you're being told that a certain party said, oh, it's fine. Here, register to vote. We'll take, you know, we'll take your absentee ballot, you know, for you, et cetera. So lives are being ruined. You know, I mean, we've been approached by a number of people um, with that issue and there is no recourse. That is incredible. I had yeah. not even heard of that. Yeah. There's no recourse. Wow. You're, you're done. You're out of the country. You committed a felony. So mm. do not register and vote if you are not a U.S. citizen. So. All right, Linda. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Go ahead and tell everyone um, how they can get in contact with you. I'll flash that email again and just anything else that you want to leave the listeners sure. with. It's uh, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, at fightvoterfraud.org. If you have any questions, if you want to volunteer, um, we are, like I said, in multiple states right now quietly because what we've done is we have our silent army of volunteers. So just send me an email. Thank you. 
Awesome. Linda, can't thank you enough. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, thanks for watching so far. Guys, we've got an awesome, what is it, uh, 23 minutes left for you. Uh, we've got Wendy Strouch Mahoney coming on deck, and she's... One, she's just a kick-butt reporter. She's awesome, a longtime friend of the show and friend of mine. Uh, so all that when we come back. Thanks so much for watching The Joe Mobley Show, for joining us this evening or uh, podcast, wherever you're listening. We're talking election integrity. If you caught the first half of the show, we were speaking with Linda Sikowitz, the founder and CEO of Fight Voter Fraud. That website is fightvoterfraud.org. Um, go back and listen to it if you haven't. Uh, guys, I've said it before. I've said it again. Next month, just a couple of weeks, and and the the True to Vote initiative and the partnership with Dinesh D'Souza that that documentary is coming out two thousand mules and it's it's devastating. Um, so I'm gonna play the trailer, uh, the shortened trailer for those of you who have already seen the longer one, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into it with Wendy. The 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. He lost a fair and secure election. The most secure election in American history. Really? All those of you volunteered and worked the polls, you deserve a special thanks from the entire nation. This one mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. Leaving no fingerprints. Snapping photos to get paid. A coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting in all the key states where the election was decided. They've delivered us a clear victory. Game over. All right. Well, I certainly don't feel any better. Uh, Wendy, how, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm good. I'm at good. a uh, Republican, uh, a county Republican party dinner. Um, the candidates are introducing themselves. And I don't know if you've seen, but we've had some controversy in this state over three candidates, three uh, congressional candidates who are on the ballot. Have you seen any of, the, any of that controversy? Uh, which state? Which, which state? Are you hearing me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No, I didn't hear anything you said. Sorry. Oh, am I, am I muted? Let's see here. No, Let you're, me. you're just cut, you're cutting on and off. That's all. Oh no. 
No, I, I haven't heard of that controversy. Go ahead and tell us about it. So we had a, a Trump-endorsed candidate, Morgan Ortegas. We had a native Tennessean, Baxter Lee. And then we had Robbie Starbuck, who moved here from California a few years ago in 2019. And <clears throat> for a variety of reasons, you know, Morgan entered the race late. Um, it... it it kind of looked like she moved in here to run for office. Um, of all the candidates that I felt maybe shouldn't have deserved to be on the ballot, it was her. Um, but in any case, our SEC, the state executive committee, um, decided... So let me just back up a little bit. They, they have to... There's a couple of things they have to fulfill. They have to fulfill residency requirements... And then they have to have voted in three out of the four last primaries. Robbie, the candidate that I was going to vote for, very young, very dynamic family, came from Cuba, um, just incredible candidate, grassroots candidate, um, had not done that. He was moving his family of six from California at that time. And so in that case, in the bylaws, in the state bylaws, it says that, that then... They, if they didn't meet that uh, voting requirement, they have to be vouched for. Are you staying with, are you with me? Yeah. Okay. So I am on the county executive committee, and I vouched for Robbie. Some other people vouched for Morgan, whatever. It came down to um, somebody contested them. They were on the ballot. Somebody contested them for a variety of reasons. And at that point, it goes to the SEC, and the SEC has to basically um, decide whether they are bona fide Republicans. What they basically did is, yeah, they did follow the bylaws. That's absolutely true. But they threw out all the vouchers. They decided that their subjective opinion of whether they were good Republicans overrode that of other vouchers. Robbie, for example, had 14 vouch submissions, including mine. So Robbie is going to fight it. Um, you know, I view it as typical party stuff, you know, top-down Republican party stuff, which we're trying to get rid of, I think, for, that was what I'd like to do in this country. Um, they don't see it that way. Um, there is a sentence in there that says they have every right to make the final decision. Okay, fine. But you know what, Robbie, uh, uh, Joe, if, if they're going to do that, then they may as well just take that sentence out about other people vouching and just yeah. call call it a day, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, ah. Robbie's going to fight it. Now, let's go on to election integrity. So we've got um, two battles, pretty significant battles going on right now. There's one in Wisconsin, and there's one in Georgia that are kind of really heating up. I actually think that Wisconsin has the greatest chance of recalling its electors. I'm not so sure it will decertify, and it won't change the election, obviously. But I think they're far enough along. They've had a lot of resolutions. They've had a lot of really significant evidence put forward. And then, of course, True the Vote came in, I think it was in sometime in December, and I, I can't remember when it was, and presented their evidence. Maybe it was more recent than that. Um, I wrote a story on it. I just can't remember when I wrote it. Anyway, Catherine Engelbrecht and 
Greg Phillips of OPSEC, both from Texas, um, and she's from True the Vote, came in and, and they have been using this geolocation data, pinging cell phones to locate, you know, to get down to, you know, you know, very, very close to where the cell phone is and establishing patterns of behavior by these cell phone users through these apps on the cell phone. That's how they do it. And you can buy this data. People do it all the time. And, you know, it does make you wonder why, um, why they didn't use something like that on January 6th, for example. <laughs> it, it's almost like the government is intentionally misleading people about their capability. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, to, uh, yesterday there was this, um, Catherine has been fighting back and forth with the state of Georgia for months now with the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of, of uh, Investigation, Kemp, Raffensperger. Honestly, I mean, in my opinion, there's so much gobbledygook going on in that state. Um, there were, there was absolutely, I'm just going to, I'm going to bet my money on it. There was ballot trafficking in that state. The evidence that I'm seeing. Um, and of course, 2000 Mules is coming out next week. And that's going to be a stunning film. Um, I actually met with Dinesh D'Souza um, with a number of other people, and he explained what he had in the movie. And it's going to be a real blockbuster, um, you know, with, with all the evidence showing ballots being collected, putting in, showing people changing votes in their, sitting in their cars. So, um, you know, I think those are the two states, Georgia and Wisconsin, that are going to be... Um, you know, uh, heating up the most. And, and maybe we'll go the furthest. Georgia, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of problems at the uh, top down and with the government officials in that state. So it might not be so easy. I mean, countless lawsuits have been thro thrown out in that state for no reason at all. So, I mean, look at Garland Favorito. I mean, that, that guy, he struggled so hard and the judge threw his case out. It's what a shame. Anyway. Yeah, I'm... It's sad, but I am glad that people are fighting things in court. And it's just like you said, it's not ballot harvesting, it's trafficking. It's it's ballot yes, it trafficking, is. voter trafficking. Yes, it, it's egregious. Uh, so I would be remiss, and I'm so sorry I, I didn't say before, guys, Wendy is a reporter for Uncovered DC. Uh, awesome, awesome articles. If you go to their website, uh, uncoverddc.com, just today, Wendy uh, wrote a wonderful article, uh, The Democracy Fund, another deep pocket for election administration. Um, I will drop a link to that below, however you're listening to this, whether it's on a social media app or if you're listening uh, on any of the podcast mediums. Uh, look just underneath and in the description and check this out. Uh, it's sure to be a good read. And honestly, Wendy goes in like facts uh and, and it's it's too bad that legacy media has turned to crap uh <laughs> because yeah. you know once upon a time you probably could have had a brilliant career and won all kinds of awards but you've got the wrong opinion i don't i don't know if you know we're, we're supposed to be the oh, bad yeah. guys i'm shadow banned to the gulag and back in uh twitter even <laughs> now with even with elon musk i mean i am it's a fact nobody can see anything i write but anyway whatever yeah, you know, I used to actually get, people, yeah. I used to get 
notifications about your tweets. So now I don't, unless we message each other. Uh, hadn't even yep. thought of it. I'm Good telling night. You. All right. Well, hey, I've really enjoyed talking election uh, fraud with you. That's what it is, YouTube. Uh, anything else exciting? I, I know you you were all over the place. Uh, you, you sitting on any bombshells for us? Well, I am I am on the on the trail of um, not digging deeply into these election administrators, you know, these nonprofits that are funding all the activity in elections. You know, they're saying now are that these they won't the, do it what they call black money groups. Am I thinking the right thing? I mean or black I black money pack, something like that. No, I can't say that they're that, but the, the the Democrats sure do have a good way of hiding what they're doing. You know, they'll come out and say that the Chan Zuckerberg initiative isn't donating money. But yet, it, if you read my article today, and I've written two or three others on different organizations, I mean, the roots are so deep, so deep, Joe. And these people find ways to train, you know, to, to get into election uh, ad, um, administration, train election workers, um, you know, persuade voters of various things. Um, it, this one that I wrote about today, um, they are deep into the media and kind of choosing which media outlets disseminate information. And by the way, our wonderful government is also doing the same. I've written countless mm. articles on the propaganda in our federal government. It's laced throughout the whole thing. And you saw the announcement the other day. Now they have a new, you know, ministry of disinformation in our oh government. My it's wonderful. Gosh. I... Laughed out loud when when I saw it was I was watching something else I think I was watching uh I think I was watching a Blaze show and they had CNN like yeah. on the small screen behind them and yeah. when I saw it I laughed out loud yeah it's, I mean it's full on Hunger Games Joe it's Hunger Games that's all it is well we used to joke and say the Ministry of Truth uh yep. you know CNN and the gang and and the government agencies. And what people don't know is that this is not the first one. I mean, I've been writing articles about this for months now. The, the, the propaganda and the language that is laced, this mis-dis malinformation um, that's, you know, actually based in the CISA or the CISA, C-I-S-A part of the federal government, um, it, it, it's, it's gotten into the whole infrastructure. And infrastructure means a lot of things. It doesn't mean just roads and bridges. It means elections. means our electrical grid. It means uh, any number of things. And they have managed to, to kind of lace it throughout our government. So, And here's the thing people need to wake up. People need to wake up and realize, you know, when when uh, WikiLeaks came out and when Snowden came out, everyone thought for the first time, oh, maybe something's going on. Guys, yeah. get into the Declassification Act every 30 years. Those documents get released. Look at that stuff. Yeah. When you look at the relationship between the CIA, that's yep. declassified, the, the quiet part out loud, the relationship between the CIA and the experiments that were yep. done on Americans when we're talking about Disney, we're talking about radio, we're talking about cable, we're talking about hit TV shows like Lucy, uh, things that everyone watched to see if the government could get you to think, believe, or even take certain actions. And people still think that these are conspiracies that's declassified. No, I was fact. just going to say, this, guys, wake up. It's not conspiracy. It, 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 it's not 
conspiracy. This is the truth. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. essentially got intelligence uh, apparatus and the bureaucrats, unelected bureaucrats running our federal government. No doubt about it. And they never go away. We look at people like Fauci, the highest paid government employee and one of the most tenured who's gone, you know, the the elected officials. This is what we talk about when we say there's the the political elite, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Schumer's, the, the people mm-hmm. that are in it, Biden, 47 yep. plus years. Yep. But there there is They're a just real, the face of it. yeah, there's a real elite not seen, not heard. A lot of yep. them are senior executive service members, of which there were a thousand when Obama took office and seven thousand when he left, which means yep. that he installed six thousand of, ostensibly six thousand Dr. Fauci's in agencies with no names, no faces, no. They just create uh, rules that have the the power and influence of law. Uh, mm-hmm. But these people stay long after yep. whatever president put them in. Uh, and they are doing some dark stuff. Uh, and they're doing a lot of damage. And oh, yeah. um, it's showing up now. I mean, th- this is exactly, Joe, why when people ask, how did things change so quickly? That's why. Because they were all poised and ready to go. They had the apparatus and all the machinery fully stocked and ready to go. I mean, yep. Obama did a lot toward that. I mean, he. there were other administrations that did did some things. But Obama really, really, he... He 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 put his people and with his ideals in from top to bottom in the government. That's what's going on. That's why it's been so easy for this administration. I mean, it's basically a third term for Obama right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the quiet part out loud <laughs> for sure. And you know what? It's safe. Uh, Donald Trump aside, and, and unless we find out some things, I, I don't believe he participated in that, but uh, almost no one's hands are clean because you look at the Bush administrations and the establishment nope. of the Department yep. of Homeland Security, the ODNI, Act. the Patriot yeah. Act, these intel. Yep. It's something like, I believe it went from about six to 27 or 28 federal law enforcement and slash intelligence agencies. You look at the FBI, right. um, Taking yeah. a off lot of some of its law. The Patriot Act. Oh yes. yeah, the Patriot yeah. Act, ODNI, TSA, yep. DHS, all of that stuff has been devastated. That was probably one of the most egregious cuts into uh, privacy, into yep. um, individual liberty, freedom. Yep. I mean, the the it's almost like the Bill of Rights and DHS, of which I used to be a part. You know, guilty, whatever. I, I'm. I'm. Yeah never stepping foot back I mean, into that I mean, these world. people can get into your phone without your knowing it. Oh, they, yeah, they are. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are at the end of the show. Wendy, how can people get in touch with you? We know we can't see your tweets, but uh, you, you can tell us <laughs> where to see it anyway. I'm the stealth journalist from Uncover DC. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at W Mahoney five. I'm on true social. I'm on getter. I'm on parlor. I'm on gab. I'm on everything. I'm on cloud hub. And, um, you know, I guess you're just going to ha- have to hunt me down. It's Wendy with an I W E N D I. Wendy, thanks so much for joining us guys. The links aren't up now, but shortly after I post these episodes, uh, all of that information, the links to Wendy social, um, and the links to her, uh, her feed of articles on uncoverdc.com are going to be available. 
go and read it at some of the best reporting, some of the best news that you're going to find on the internet. Wendy, thanks so much for joining us. And everyone, thanks so much thanks for watching Thanks for my the casual show. interview here. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the, the, the Republican dinner here. Anyway, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Wendy. We've got to catch right, up soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching the show. It's been an awesome episode. Unfortunately, the Republic is in a little bit of trouble. Um, we, we've got to get serious about correcting these issues. I, I know I, I try and keep things lighthearted and fun, um, but like Yvonne Pulitzer said, if it is true that it is no longer one person, one vote in the United States, then the world is truly, truly um, a darker place, a, a, a less free place, a more dangerous place. Um, so we've got to get after it. We've got to get after, um, you know, unscrewing these election processes, uh, laws. Uh, we should just go, you know, go to the public square and just line up on two sides or maybe just, you know, uh, you know, just say out loud Biden or Trump or whatever. I would be for that. I mean, screw it. We'd probably have less fraud that way. Guys, if you've watched this long, you are a fan of the show. Please, please, please like, share, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit subscribe, hit the bell notifications. If you're on Rumble, just go ahead and hit subscribe. Uh, I hope that you all go over to Rumble. I, it's, it's connected with my locals community. That's where my best content is. That's where I, I really engage and interact with my fans on locals, djmobileshow.locals.com. It's the internet done right. Uh, you know, I, I always support uh, Dave Rubin's operation over there with locals. But another thing that you can do to support the show is... You can go to my shop. You can get stuff like the shirt I'm wearing right now. This uh, 1776 shirt is a The Joe Mobley Show original. Um, and we've got 45. You can get the tumblers. I got to get this Christmas ornament on there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've got female cuts now for the first time. Uh, we've got socks. We've got stickers. We've got shirts, sweatshirts, and a whole lot more. All of that is at djmobleyshow.com or djmobleyshow.com slash shop. Guys, when you go to the website, you'll get a pop-up. If you trade me your email, you will get a discount code. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to the show. I will see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show. <laughs>